The sky is falling. Anybody agree with that a little bit? See a few things out there going a little weird? What's that? No. <laughs> That's good. Um, what in the world? So the top, what in the world? And you'll see some other slides that say what in the word. And it's a good contrast that we just need to keep in mind. Um, but the question is, what are you doing about it? And that's really the theme of this message. Yes, the sky is falling. Yes, all these things are happening. But what are we as Christians doing about it? And how can we do it better? Uh, some current events, some global things that are happening. Israel's at war with Hamas or on the brink of war with Iran, Lebanon, Yemen, and others. Palestinian protesters are uh, rising up and defending around the world Hamas's heinous actions that occurred on October 7th. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other presentation right there. Global elites are setting the stage for um, global governance. Just look up Agenda 2030 if you're not familiar with that. Uh, pandemics, supposed climate crisis change, climate change crisis, threatening humanity with, um, which they use as justification to increase their tyranny on us, right? Mainstream media, big pharma, big tech serving as proxies to the deep state. Federal and state power used to corrupt elections. Conservatives and Christians demonized as threats to the very democracy we live in and support and love. America is being intentionally destroyed from within through division. Liberals and conservatives are growing more and more polarized and more unwilling to compromise with each other, right? Out of control, illegal immigration resulting in much greater crime and unrest while the government spends billions of our tax dollars on processing, relocating, and then handing out all kinds of things to them to get them started and make sure that they're okay. And uh, as Christians, we want some of that to happen. We want the church to do that. We want the local communities to do that. So I'm not against helping those who need help, but hear that right in the context of what we're seeing and what it's doing to our country. That's a big deal. So, is this a gloom and doom message? And I, I just want to say, let me, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's got some of that obviously, but let me clarify, and let me give you some of the good news. Uh, I'm going to quote from a cultural hero of mine, uh, John Lovell. He's a former army ranger, he's a Christian, and he's the creative genius behind the Warrior Poet Society. Also the author of a book that just recently came out called The Warrior Poet Way. Fathers, especially out there, I encourage you, look into that book. I, I read it. My boys have read it. It's amazing. Wonderful. Um, but he said, No matter how interesting things become for us and our children and our grandchildren and those who still want to uphold the ideas and ideals of our great nation, Freedom is still an inalienable right endowed by our Creator. We still have the freedoms that God gave us, not because of the Constitution, which says we have the freedom for uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but those are endowed by our Creator. We know we have those already. So those freedoms um, to choose whom we will believe and follow, and praise God, we will always 
have the freedom to trust God, right? We will always have the freedom to meditate on his word. Whatever we've already put in there, we can meditate on it. Nobody can take that away from you. And also to pray. Nobody can stop you from praying, no matter what circumstances you're in, no matter how bad things might get, right? As the sky is so-called falling. But it is important that we be watchful, right? It's been a long time coming. For 2,000 years, Christians have been looking with great hope and expectation for prophetic evidence of Christ's second coming. Matthew 24, 6 and 7 talks about famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Those sound familiar. Wars and rumors of wars. But the end is not yet, right? So if you've got, did we get notes back there, by the way? You got notes? If you have notes, the first one, it's good to pay attention to the times and seasons with the right motive. The Apostle Peter encourages us to be watchful. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without minister, I mean without grudging, as every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, thank you, brother. The manifold gift, grace of God, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that should be our focus is what I'm trying to say. And again, you notice at the top, what in the word instead of what in the world. So another scripture verse, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is our motive? Paying attention to the times and seasons of God's clock and anticipation of seeing our Lord is good. Unfortunately, I think it is more likely that we will get distracted away from Jesus when we surf, scroll, stream, and stray online. If you're like me at all, this is something that I... It's a constant struggle, let's just say. As we watch news and receive updates from our favorite prophecy influencers, we need to keep in mind for every true and relevant end times prophecy, there are about 100 conspiracies thinking, seeking to distract us from our mission. My purpose in mentioning these things, yes, Alice in Wonderland, my purpose in mentioning these things is to draw our focus back to the proper target, Jesus. It is very e enticing to poke your head down the rabbit hole and then quickly find yourself in Wonderland. With the internet and so many social media platforms, there's no longer a standard of truth. Um, among news spreaders, sorry. In fact, the opposite is now true. Sensationalism and attempts to be a bigger influencer of public opinion have led so many people 
and organizations and even governments to purposely spread misinformation and then use that term to demonize the truth that doesn't fit their narrative, right? So what is misinformation? It's so hard to tell anymore these days. And you might get something from a trusted source and you, you read that and then you try to verify it and look at some other sources or talk to some other people. What's that? And we get so caught up in some of that. Some of it might be true, but the devil, we know, he puts a little bit of truth in there along with the lies. And we can get caught up in that rabbit hole. So I'm just encouraging you, be careful with that. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Um, I've been down there, and let's just understand. I think we've all maybe had a little bit of issue with that. But I want you to ask yourself these questions as you go through your news, your social media, the things that you do to just look things up. Have I been seeking discernment, wisdom, and guidance in my quest for information and truth? Are you actually just doing this because it's, it's what you do and there's not much purpose to it as a Christian in this time that we're living in? And I don't think that's true, but sometimes we just go about the motions and we don't always put thought into it or prayer or ask God for help. Have I applied the verified information? In other words, you got some information. You actually went and tried to verify it. And then have you applied that or uh, to your mission as a Christian? And restate it maybe this way. Does this truth or information inspire and help me to diligently pursue my mission? So, this is, uh, I, I threw this in here, dad mode enabled. Two, two ways we can talk about this. Number one, it's me as a dad. I, I talk to my kids and I tell them things, oh, you should do this and give them the encouraging positive thing. And I've found that that doesn't always sit well or as much as I'd like it to sometimes. And he sh he's shaking, he knows. But so I like to, I like to, I have evolved into a dad that depending on the age, depending on the circumstance, I'll go into dad mode and I'll be like, no, wait, maybe you need to hear it another way. You need a different perspective, maybe. And when you got seven kids, sometimes you learn that some kids learn differently or hear things differently or understand things differently. So I will bring out the negative, not, hey, do this, it's positive, but you know, if this doesn't happen this way, if you don't do it. So anyway, that's God mode. I mean, dad mode. But then as I was thinking more about this, how often does our Heavenly Father, in a way, enter dad mode with us, right? There's different things we need to see. Or we don't quite get it. We go a little further, and then dad, dad, dad mode's got to kick in with God. And he's got to make some adjustments in how he gets our attention. So that's dad mode enabled here. Um, does this, so I'm going to ask some questions a little bit differently. Does this nugget of information distract me from my mission? Do I find myself more willing or desirous to share nuggets of info or truth about end times than I am willing to sow seeds of the gospel and be a hope dealer? Let's make sure I keep my time right. Focus is the key. Be discerning of which distractions we allow to consume our precious, precious time. Leisure time and social distractions are totally understandable. I'm not advocating that we become monks and nuns. 
Nothing wrong with monks and nuns. They can do that. But not all of us are going to do that. We have, um, well, distracting messages and stories will continue to hit us every day. But we must recognize them and contrast them against our mission, locking in on our target, which is Jesus Christ. So again, focus is the key. I would encourage you. That I, I, I did this. So I set some reminders throughout the day, literally like four hours, and I had this repeatable timer, and it would just come up and it would say, refocus on Jesus. It's like, oh, that was good. It came a few times. Now, after a while, it got a little repetitive. It came at the wrong time, whatever. And, but it still, it was, it was helpful because I find I go throughout my day and I just forget to involve God in what I'm doing. I mean, I want him to really keep in the center of, or in the back of my mind at the very least. If I'm doing work, I got to do work. If I'm doing parenting, I got to do parenting. Being a husband, all these things. I'm not saying you're 100% in the Bible, 100% praying, 100% you know, those spiritual things that make you a giant. Yes, we got to step out of that sometimes and be the person God wants us to be in our role. Just balance it a little better, I guess, is what I'm saying. So here's a couple... Scripture verses that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4.14 and also Titus 2.11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. As bad as it's getting and all those things that are going on in the world around us, those are the attributes we need to follow. We need to be sober. We need to be righteous. We need to be godly even more than ever. So our next Distractions and misinformation are a form of, and this is in your notes, spiritual warfare. And we need to recognize that. Um, I think it's very clear sometimes, we get started with a good intention on something. We, we read some article, we find some information, but quickly that rabbit hole, and, and, and then all of a sudden, where are, oh my goodness, how did I get here? What was I doing 20 minutes ago, Right? It, all ha- it happens to all of us, I think. But, but that's where I'm, I'm trying to get you to encourage you to take inventory, take stock of that, and just remember to balance that out and, and adjust. Take every thought and motive captive before taking action. We know this verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, our focus, right? So here's our mission, right? I kept talking about our mission, being focused on our mission. Well, we all have the same mission, believe it or not. You know this. Go. 
You're already going places, so that's good. Go. But are you intentional about it when you go? Tell. Say something, anything. Tell them something about Jesus. Invite them if you don't feel that comfortable. Invite them to church. There's more to that, though, because I want you to be in a position that when you go, when you tell, when you invite, number one, you'll remember and you can remind others that Jesus is with you when you do that, but also, and I'll talk more about this later, but what does it look like to that person? What do you look like to that person? What is your testimony, your living testimony look like to that person? Is it something that's attractive? Is it something that they want a piece of? Or maybe it's something that needs a little help and needs a little boost, and that's good. Let's get that boost, and let's make ourselves more attractive to those people that are, frankly, hopeless out there right now. Another scripture verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We know this. This is our mission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And I I just want to add something to, not add, I want to focus on that part teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Sometimes we only have time to give out a tract. Sometimes we only have time to say one little thing and plant a seed or water it. But it's so important if we have that opportunity to follow up with them and help them get plugged in and discipled. That's the part about teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. We want to get them saved. We want the Holy Spirit to save them. We want them to come to Christ. But how often do we know people, they came to Christ and then petered out or something, or they didn't reach the potential maybe we thought, whatever, God's got a plan for them, that's okay. But my point is, the more we can do to help get them plugged in, get them teaching them the things that God wants, them to, wants us to observe, right? But that also is on us, that we're following those things that God has taught us so that that is more attractive to them. So the next note, we are all recipients of the very thing we must pass along, the gospel, right? How grateful are you to those people who encouraged you with the good news of salvation? Keep that in mind as your motivating factor. Someone, somehow, somewhere at some time, even if it was just your parents when you were five years old, but you're grateful that they helped you get to that point where you got saved. Praise the Lord. You're not headed for destruction and hell and torment. You're going to heaven. And you want to bring as many people as you can with you. So remember that joy and be grateful for those people that were bold enough to do those things. And Pastor Mike and people like that who are bold enough, be grateful for their work and show that by going out and doing the same thing yourself. But none of these things move... Oh, oh, wrong one. Go the other way. From Acts 20.24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, 
so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And then Romans 1.6, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I'm, I'm going to try and summarize this and give you three simple steps, right? Sim- they're always simple steps, but they're not simple to do, are they? No. So first one, seek the coming of the Lord through Bible reading, prayer, confession, and hopeful anticipation that is contagious. This is something we've got to get in our brains if we really want to be helpful to those around us. There's got to be something about it there that's contagious. Obviously, the gospel speaks for itself. And you can give the gospel and not be the perfect evangelist. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, let's put a little more bait on that hook by being the person that God wants us to be in that situation. For that person, to relate better to them. The source of our motivation and the power to accomplish our mission should come from God's holy word and our intimate time in spent with him, right? Be a good example filled with the joy of your salvation and encourage everyone around you spreading the love of Christ through the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say this with me. I am a hope dealer. Say that. I am a hope dealer. You are. I love that. When Pastor Luke did that, and I've just been, that's been one of my prayers every day. Make me, a, make me a hope dealer today, Lord. Help me to be that. And if I keep that mindset, it'll help me. Okay, I, I've got hope. Don't walk around looking like you don't. <laughs> if you've got hope, walk around looking like you have it, and they're going to want it more. Amen. More scriptures. We've got to have more scriptures. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. we got to do that. We have to do that. Established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And 1 John 1, 9. I... This was not part of my original notes. God God wanted me to add it in. Okay, God. But it reminded me how much I need to keep short accounts with God, especially now more than ever as the end is coming, I think. I could be wrong. But 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, you're going to be more attractive to others you're going to be living the life more that you ought to live when you're keeping short accounts with god and you don't want him coming back and having all that baggage that you haven't dealt with all the more confess those sins and keep them short accounts with him every day hebrews 12 1 and 2 wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience 
the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Next one. Number two. Prepare yourself to give an answer for your hope, right? That's the point of that whole thing. You have a special message of great news that only you can deliver to some people, and they need to hear it from your perspective. You've got that unique thing that you went through or you're doing or God's changed you in this way. That's the message that God actually put there for you because he actually wanted to save somebody else or put you in some other situation. That's not for you. Great. Glad that happened for you. Guess what? Now use it to further the gospel. This means rehearsing your testimony. Anybody in here got a testimony? Raise your hand. I should have gone, uh-huh, we got testimonies. Rehearse it. Just have a few tidbits about it ready. Maybe you got a short version, maybe you got a medium version, maybe you get to give a long version sometime, but have it ready in your heart and in your mind. Maybe write it down if you've never done that. I would encourage you to do that. Amen. Practice turning current events like the sky is falling and people are talking about it all the time. Turn that into a uh, an opportunity to witness. Have triggers and questions ready in your mind to get people thinking about their eternal destiny. So many things that are said these days, we can turn that into a situation of, you know, I understand, and that's pretty crazy stuff, but my hope is not in this coming election. My hope is not in my comforts of what's going on at my house, you know, and I don't like discomfort. I don't want those bad things to happen, but I have hope outside of those things. Amen. So, another scripture verse, 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And it, God highlighted this to me. Don't forget that first part. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. All these things that I'm talking about are putting into practice the Christian faith, putting it into practice in our lives that we look a little bit more attractive to those people that want, need the hope that we have with meekness, and with fear, fear of God, right? Not fear of what's going on. All right, number three. Remain focused on your main mission as followers of Christ. This is really the, I think this is the hardest part. I, for me, maybe, maybe not for you, but remaining focused in this world with all the distractions we have, I, I remain focused on a lot of things but I don't remain focused necessarily on my main mission, which is to be contagious, give the fruit of the Spirit everywhere I go, or be the fruit of the Spirit, and really try to, to encourage others to follow God, to seek Him, to come a little bit closer than they were yesterday. 
This means not only being conformed to the image of Christ, but also praying for and preparing for opportunities to plant seeds, water seeds, and ultimately harvest fruit should the Lord allow you to pray with someone for salvation. And maybe you've never done that yet. Practice doing that. Practice on your stuffed animal. Win that stuffed animal to Christ and at least have the experience. I'm telling you, I'm serious. Just get the experience of having done it with the stuffed animal. You've said the words, you've done the thing. At least get that so that when God, God's, uh, my father-in-law told me this not too long ago. God's not going to give you something that you haven't prepared yourself to do for him. He's already given you all the tools. He's already set up the stage. He wants to give you bigger, better things to do, right? But sometimes we're maybe a little lazy or behind the curve and he's not ready to give it to you yet because I'm, I'm still waiting on you. Get there, get there. And then he's going to bless you tremendously or put you in that opportunity that is really bigger than yourself. Anyway, um, resist the distractions and consider the field that is white under harvest. Look around us. Oh my goodness, the field is so white under harvest. And all these people... We may not like them, some of them. I, there are some, but that's not the point. Jesus loves them. Amen. And we're the conduit that God's love has to flow through us to that person. Because they're not going to go to church. They're not going to turn on KYCC. They need to hear and see and feel the love of Christ from us. If it helps you, remember this. You don't have to win them. That's not what God said. God didn't say, go and win them yourself. It's all your job. Sometimes you can just be the one that warns them. And maybe that's your job. Try to win them, yes, but it's the Holy Spirit that's going to win them, right? That's what I mean by that. It's God having done all those other things in their life to prepare them and soften their heart. You may just be cracking the, the rock a little bit, but that little bit, that warning coming from a person they respect and know, they may not like you either, but they respect you probably in some ways because you're living a righteous life. You're doing things maybe better than the rest of the world, and they see that. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? Are you putting your armor on every day? You should. I forget sometimes, but every day we should be putting our armor on, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the preparation, the preparation of the gospel of peace that's what it says in the bible is if we aren't preparing ourselves then we aren't going to be ready that's obvious i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Consider this. The parable of the talents. And I just, I liken it to 
Every generation since Jesus' commission, since he gave us the, commi- the great commission, Christians have had the opportunity to be fishers of men, right? Our time may actually be likened to the man who was given ten talents. We've been given much, and much may be required of us. There's, there's so much more, maybe, I mean, it's always important, right? I, anyway, that was something that came to me. Look the part. I don't know what that means for you. For me, I'm going to do a little more. Try to, wherever I'm at, mirror those people at least enough that the connection will be a little easier for them, maybe. We need to try and look less like a fuddy-duddy Bible thumper and look more like the loving and caring Jesus who met with the woman at the well. That's the point I'm trying to get across. Don't let the world change your smile. Change the world with your smile. Smile. It's the easiest thing you can do, and you have a reason to do it. My hope is that this message has encouraged you to become a better evangelist in spite of all the craziness we face in this world. We are the only hope some people have of experiencing the salvation of God. And my hope is that you remember who the enemy is and what his mission is. It's to distract you. It's to distract me from our mission. It's to get us off course or ruin us in such a way that our gospel presentation doesn't have the effect God wants it to have. That's his mission. Don't forget that. Consider that. If we don't, it's just like God mode or dad mode that I mentioned earlier. Sometimes I say, do all these nice things. But when I put that up there, that convicts me a lot more. Oh yeah, my enemy. When these bad things start to happen, it's not that situation or that person. That's the enemy. He's getting in there. So I want to give you this verse as an encouragement. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, this passage. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of, God, of Christ, which passeth all knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So yes, the sky is falling. Let's stop talking about it so much and start implementing Jesus' plan. We are his bride, the church. And I believe he's coming to get us very soon for a wonderful supper.
but it's not just for us. It's for everyone. Unfortunately, some won't be there unless we do our part. But there's so much more. It's not just the supper. My advice, bring as many people with you in the precious little time that we have left. Amen. I got a couple minutes. I want to just reiterate an analogy that most of you have probably all heard, or most of you have heard. It's the chair analogy, right? If this chair represents the Lord Jesus Christ, God, I believe that's a chair. It's, it's good. It's a chair. Yep, it'll, it'll hold all my weight. I believe in it. I'm firmly believing in this chair. Am I? The devil might do this. He'll believe in the chair. He knows exactly what that chair is. He knows what Christ can do and did. But the devil's not putting his weight in the chair. As a Christian, we need to sit in the chair. We need to take all of our weight off of the world and sometimes we need to ride the chair, putting all of our weight in it. Operate from the chair. That's my belief in Christ. Sometimes we're operating like, like this. Sometimes we're operating like this. Oh no, I, I, I got this over here. And so I just want to remind us all I know you all believe in God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Seek Him. Ask Him. And He'll help you with those three steps to be a better Christian in the end times. Let's pray. Father. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at the Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.